0: All right, we're going to jump right into the sermon this morning, so I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 16 and uh, the notes you will find in your guidebook on page 31. So you can turn to the notes or the page for notes on page 31 in the guidebook. Now, I remember just one week after Mary and I got married, Uh, We had just gotten back from our honeymoon. It was like the very next day that we got back from our honeymoon, a friend of ours who was a financial advisor uh, came to our little apartment and we sat down at our dining room table and he proceeded to explain to us how we needed to think ahead and plan for our retirement and start making a plan for that. I was 22. I had never put two thoughts into retirement. That was like... Forever away Why would I need to start planning and thinking ahead like that? Well guess what? 35 years goes like that And all of a sudden 65 doesn't seem very far away at all I'm looking at it right in the face, you know, and and now Now I am really happy That someone sat down and helped us think through that I don't think we would have been wise and prudent enough on our own to understand that and to do that. And so that was good. Uh, our text for today, uh, Jesus tells a story, uh, and it's a bit of an unusual story, even shocking and disturbing to some people. But Jesus's point is that it's important now to think about preparing for our future. And he's not talking about retirement. He's talking about eternity. So let's dive in here. Luke chapter 16, Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. He's getting fired. You got that? The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors. He asked the first, how much do you owe me, owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves, Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. <clears throat> what's, what's so unusual about this parable is the main character is not a good guy, right? He is a lazy cheater, is what he is. He's a bum, but he's commended for something. And Jesus isn't trying to have us emulate his dishonesty he but he's pointing to a, a broader and bigger principle he's highlighting something else now it was kind of funny i had a flight i, I was in atlanta for a couple days this week and i i was flying back from atlanta on friday night and i sat next to this young man in his late 20s and <clears throat> we got to talking and he was an accountant a money manager for Nucor, which is a steel manufacturer in Fort Wayne, they, they design steel structures. And he, was, he, he went around uh, their offices in the country and managed their books, their finances. And so I said, hey, I, I, gotta, I was just reading a story. You want to hear it? It's about a money manager. It's about an accountant. And he goes, yeah. And so I told him this story. And we talked the whole way to Fort Wayne. That was pretty cool. Now, what's the big idea, though? What is this all about? The the manager wasn't an honest person, right? But he was shrewd. He was shrewd. That's what he's being commended for. The the boss didn't praise him for cheating on him. He praised him for being shrewd. That's what we read in verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. And then Jesus goes on to say that he wished that his followers would be shrewd like that. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. Jesus wants us to be shrewd? Can that be? I mean, that word shrewd has gained a bit of a negative connotation in our culture. To be shrewd, people think, well, you're clever and tricky, And you um, take advantage of other people for for your own selfish purposes. That is being true. But that's not how the word is being used here. Uh, The original word in the Greek is phronomos, which means prudently wise. Prudently wise. This prudent wisdom is expressed in this situation and other contexts where it's used for practical foresight. Thinking ahead, planning ahead for one's best. Uh, Jesus uses the same word on several other occasions. Remember the man who built the house upon the rock. Uh, he is called phronimos, shrewd, wise. The wise, the wise man built his house upon a rock. You remember that. Okay, so he, he's wise, he's shrewd because he prepared for the storm that was coming. In Matthew ten sixteen, Jesus commands us, his followers, that we should be phronimos. Wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We are to be wise, prudent, thinking ahead, planning ahead. In the parable of the ten virgins, the virgins who were prepared for the arrival of the bridegroom. They thought ahead, they prepared, they planned, they had extra. They, they were called phronimos, shrewd, wise. They were the wise virgins because they demonstrated foresight they had planned ahead for their future benefit so it's not how the manager acted shrewdly which was kind of iffy sketchy it's that he acted shrewdly that's the point he acted decisively to prepare for his future he used material resources by the way not his own resources he, he used his master's resources in order to prepare a welcome for himself after he lost his job. And Jesus says, that was wise. That was wise. And he wants us, his followers, to have that kind of that kind of shrewdness, that kind of wisdom. So what should we take from this parable? What are some takeaways from this little story? First of all, in kind of a review from last Sunday, we are managers of God's resources. We are managers of God's resources. Pastor Bruce put uh, 101 dollar bills, you know, out on the table. Some of it falling off. And uh, he said, uh, sometimes we have bad perceptions of this. We think this is, this is what I uh, earn. And I earned it, so it belongs to me. Now, I put uh, 10% over here. Uh, and, and that's God's, and the rest is mine. And I get to do whatever I want with it. But that's not actually the biblical perspective. The biblical perspective is that it all belongs to God. He owns it all. And yes, he's told us specifically what we're to do with this, but the rest of it we are to steward. We are money managers, resource managers uh, for God to use this for his glory and our joy. In fact, he wants us to use this money shrewdly these worldly resources shrewdly thinking ahead, planning ahead, not just for now, but eternity for our own benefit, for our own good. So Jesus actually wants us to think and plan for our own good. But you understand in the upside-down economy of the kingdom of Christ, to, to work for your own good means actually to give, to be generous, to meet the needs of others, to work for the kingdom. It's not about gaining interest on investments it's about investing in christ's interests which is his kingdom so we're managers of god's resources number two just like the the manager in this story was held accountable will will be held accountable too but i'm going to phrase it a little differently We will be rewarded according to how we managed God's resources. There's reward in heaven. Uh, And so we will be rewarded according to how we manage God's resources. So we know that the end of life is coming, but it can seem forever away. Why would I think about that now? You know, death seems like a long way away. But we have to know this. Look what 2 Corinthians 5.10 says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive, that's receiving a reward, what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, this is about a lot more than money and resources. It covers a lot of territory, but it certainly isn't not about money and resources. And Jesus actually gives us a sneak peek at how uh, the the measure or standard for this kind of rewarding Uh, For us, look what Luke wrote in chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. Abundance, for the measure you use, it will be measured to you. The measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the question is, what measure are you using? And in the original context, it's focusing more on forgiveness and grace. If you are forgiving, if you are merciful, if you are gracious, uh, you will be treated by God with mercy and, and grace and forgiveness. But I think, again, it equally applies to resources. H- wh- what's the measure of generosity that you use? You know, And we'll talk a bit about it. We have this whole series about a- assessing where we're at in the journey of generosity. And maybe you're like, this is my measure <laughs> of generosity. A tablespoon. Uh, or maybe... <clears throat> it's two cups uh, 16 ounces 500 milliliters Uh, maybe that's the measure that you use or maybe remember big r the good old days um or, or maybe it's a five gallon bucket that's that's the measure that you use of generosity and the idea is that whatever measure you are using that's the measure that will be used with you well guess what i i want all uh, forgiveness, acceptance, redeemed by his grace, poured out on me, bucketfuls, gallons and gallons of grace. Uh, I want God to overflow my life with forgiveness and grace and mercy and goodness, and I want to be in heaven where there'll be an outpouring of whatever heavenly and true riches are. You know, but if, if that's what I want, then I should definitely be someone who uses An appropriate measure in response to others. So what measure are we using in our generosity? That's kind of a challenge for all of us in this generosity initiative is kind of to assess where we're at and say, can I take another step? How can I take another step uh, with my time and my talents and my treasures? Of course, the very same thing is said in our passage that we just read, Luke 16 verse nine, Jesus says, I tell you, use worldly wealth. That's this stuff that, I, you know, that burns. I could, I could burn it. But I've already put enough smoke into this auditorium this year. Not going to do that again. And so, uh, but it's just going to burn. And Jesus says, take this worldly wealth, okay? Take this worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Use it to gain friends for yourselves, so that when it is gone, and someday it will be, there'll be an end to it, you will be welcomed into eternal blessings. Uh, The Apostle Peter calls that being welcomed, he calls it a rich welcome into Christ's kingdom. So we're going to be held accountable, we're going to be rewarded someday according to how we managed uh, God's resources. Now, here's the third point, and it's the main point. It's the big idea of this story And it's this, live for the line, not the dot. Live for the line, not the dot. This isn't unique or original to me. This is from Randy Alcorn, and this is how Randy Alcorn talks about this. Live for the line, not the dot. Life on earth is a dot. It begins, it ends, it's brief. Life in heaven is an unending line extending from that dot we all live in the dot if we're wise we'll live for the line if we're phronomos shrewd we'll live for the line that's that's the point of this story is jesus is trying to expand their minds their perspective wider than this world you you have to you have to you, you need to think ahead you need to plan But a truly wise person, a shrewd person, will think wider than this world, beyond into eternity, and live for that, and not just for the dot. Another way to say it, this is also Randy Alcorn, uh, he said, of course, we've heard that phrase, you can't take it with you. Randy Alcorn would say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Now, it's not a direct transform uh, transfer, it's not Western Union or whatever, <laughs> okay? Uh, it's going it's to be translated into something else. But if we use worldly wealth uh, to gain friends, we'll get a rich welcome, and that will also uh, have a huge benefit. Another way to think about it, here's another way to think about it, is um, <clears throat> return on investment. Being a wise steward... With God's resources means employing those resources for an eternal reward on investment. Now, you know, I get in conversations every once in a while we talk about return on investment. In fact, this last week I I had a conversation with a guy who told me the story of how they bought this house and got it for a good deal and they invested in it. And just recently they sold it and they had a $300,000 return on investment. Not bad. Okay, that's really good. But it doesn't compare to eternal reward on investment. Eternal reward on investment is infinitely greater than earthly return on investment. Earthly return on investment is perfectly good and fine, but if that's all we live for, we've truly limited ourselves and not been wise, not been fronimos, shrewd, thinking, planning, preparing for our own good in eternity. Uh, so let's let's. It, it's perfectly okay to live for return on investment. Let's live for eternal reward on investment or return on investment. Is this a, okay, so is that just a true or am I making that up? Well, look, look at what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Is, is, is return on investment, eternal return on investment, a legitimate biblical idea? Well, look at this. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what Randy Alcorn meant by you can send it on ahead, Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Of course, in our text that we just read, in verse 11, uh, Luke wrote, if then you have not been faithful with with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? With true riches. That's heavenly, eternal riches. And we read this in 2 Peter 1, 10 through 11. For if you do these things, you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I can't, we can't even begin to imagine what those words signify. It's, but it's far better than anything in this world. A rich welcome into the eternal kingdom. But that reminds us of our text, because that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, a, a wise, shrewd person will use resources in this world to make friends and to gain a welcome in heaven. So that just reminds us that this life is not an end in itself. It's the staging ground for eternity. This world is training us for the next. The thoughts and actions of every hour are molding a soul which is on its way to eternity. The purpose of this life is, first of all, to gain admittance into God's kingdom by receiving Christ, and then to prepare ourselves to enjoy it fully forever. That's a good plan. That's what we get to work on, right? First of all, admittance. Now, that has nothing to do with money. That's all about faith in God's generosity to us in Jesus Christ. It's putting our faith in him. But learning to, uh, preparing now to enjoy eternity forever does have something to do with how we use our resources here and now in some way. And we'd love to have it explicitly explained to us, but it's not. But in some way, we will enjoy eternity more as a result of giving generously in the present. It's not about the amount. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. In other words, there's a strong continuity between now and eternity this is what our text says verse 10 if you are faithful in little things you'll be faithful in large ones but if you are dishonest in little things you won't be honest with greater responsibilities and if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth who will trust you with true riches in heaven and if you are not faithful with other people's things why should you be trusted with things of your own here and in eternity so wise followers of Jesus need to have eternity in view, especially as they consider how they manage their resources now. We've got to think wider than this world. Okay, great. Got it. Those are the three ideas, but let's talk about how you do it. What does it mean to invest for eternal return on investment or... Uh, uh, receiving eternal riches. How do we send it on ahead? What does it mean to gain friends and gain a welcome? How do you do that? <clears throat> By the way, I'm, I'm very thankful that this friend of ours got us started in thinking and planning ahead on retirement all those years ago. Uh, but who, who helps us to plan for et- eternity like this? Jesus is kind of our eternal investment planner, right? That's what he's talking about here. I'm thankful for that this friend that, that kind of helped us get started on this was also a strong believer who always made generosity a part of the message. And uh, In fact, all financial planners that I've worked with in my life have all been believers who recognized it's, it's, not, it's true. We need to plan and prepare for this life. We need need to do that. We need to save. But even more important is eternity. Well, how do we do that? What's that all about? Well, the first thing we have to do is gain, it says gain friends. Well, the first friend we want to gain in heaven is God himself. It's Jesus Christ. And I just said how you do that. Uh, you do it by accepting his generosity towards us but the word doesn't say it doesn't say gain a friend in heaven it says gain friends you use worldly wealth to gain friends plural well how do you do that who are these friends well i think it's the people whose needs you meet along the way it's meeting needs you know being generous is just a way to to pass on god's love to others who are in need it's blessing others who have social relational physical spiritual financial needs how, how are we meeting needs and there's no end there's just no end to the opportunities that God gives us to meet needs it's all around us are we open to be generous with our lives to do that uh, you bump into it all the time in fact so I was down in Atlanta I flew to Atlanta so I flew from this tiny little airport in Fort Wayne to the Atlanta airport which is huge you know it's a massive and vast and guess what i run into somebody i know who wasn't going to the same thing i was going to i ran into a guy named mike taylor all right and he's not on his way to atlanta he's on his way to africa and i run into him and we stand there in the middle of this you know the terminal hundreds maybe thousands of people walking past us and we're stand there and we get caught up and he is the founder of something called three strands Which is a ministry that provides health care to underserved peoples, like in the Central African Republic or in Haiti, and create. Uh, health clinics and they they do surgeries and lots of other things and so i stopped and this my son went on a mission trip with them one time and we know them from way back and so we had a great lovely chat and hugged each other and prayed for each other right there in the atlanta airport and i'm reminded of this wonderful ministry of three strands which probably some of you support and my wife and i continue to do so but it's, it's it's all around us and our church engages with a lot of these things Partly through our um, local ministry partners, and through them we meet all kinds of needs. Homelessness, addiction recovery, serving those involved in unplanned pregnancies, soup kitchen, foster care and adoptive families, we help with that, housing through Habitat for Humanity, providing hope to those in need through combined community services. We have a jail ministry, disaster relief through World Compassion Network we help survivors of domestic violence, there's trauma healing. We have our own list of of church ministries that provide help. English is a new language meets a relational social need in our community. The gas car day meets a financial need. Helping hands meets physical needs. Um, The soul care team meets spiritual needs, and it goes way beyond this. It's multiplied thousands of times as each one of you in your context meets needs around you. And it all kind of begs the question for me a little bit, it has anyway, if there are all these great needs around us and great ways to meet those needs, why would we even spend so much money on some of these facility projects that we have in mind with the Wide Open Generosity Initiative. And so I have wrestled with those thoughts a bit. And I had an experience where God graciously kind of helped ground me again in some foundational truths. And so Mary and I were invited to go to a a banquet, a dinner, for a ministry called Design Outreach. They were celebrating 10 years of ministry. And design outreach is a ministry of engineers. How about that? Uh, these are engineers who are using their engineering skills and abilities uh, to help, again, underserved areas of the world with things like water pump. Now their, their main thing is the called the life pump. It's a water pump. And they're also working on a vacuum pump for wounds, a wound vacuum. And so, actually, I talked to Mike Taylor, three stands, and said, hey, listen, have you heard about this new thing that Design Outreach is working on? It'll, it'll be great because it doesn't need electricity, and it's so necessary in places. So, uh, Design Outreach. So, we were invited to this banquet, and we went to this banquet. And it was really cool. They were, had some great videos that demonstrated the impact of their ministry. T- Ten years in, and that first water pump that they installed in a village is still going. It, was, it never went down for one day. Didn't need repaired at all. That's the quality of the design, right? And then they could show now that it's been 10 years, the impact that having reliable, consistent, clean water has on a village in Africa. And it makes a difference on health and on the economy and and the stability and and lots of things. And I'm like, this is so awesome. What a a wonderful need that is being met. And it's what, to the glory of God and the witness of the gospel, and I got in my car and I was driving away and I was like, man, you know, maybe we should just put the brakes on this whole wide open generosity initiative and give all our money to put pumps into hundreds of villages in Africa. That'd be so awesome. And it would, okay? It would be, aw- it would be awesome. And I'm struggling. And then I kind of get this knock on my heart. And it's the Holy Spirit. Like, okay, settle down, Kip. Just listen for a while. All right. Um, and he reminded me, of, the whole, of everything that was shared that evening. And the co-founder of Design Outreach is Abe Wright, who grew up in this church. His parents were sitting right over there in first hour. And in telling his testimony, how they got to Design Outreach, he told about going on a ministry team from this church that went to Tijuana, and that was the first time that he had ever really encountered poverty. And so he, all of a sudden, God began to work on his heart with poverty. And then he grew up with the Hawking family, with uh, Joel and John, and got to know them, and through them was introduced to Water for Good and the need for clean water in Africa, and went on mission uh, with them. And so he, he told about his kind of spiritual ministry development that led to Design Outreach. And where did it happen? It happened in the local church. It happened in the local church. And God reminded me, That the engine, the driving force behind all the ministries in the name of Christ to meet all kinds of needs in the world, it's, it's because of the local church. It comes out of the local church. The local church is God's plan for this age. And when the local church thrives and flourishes, it reaches people, it teaches people, and it sends people. When the local church is doing doing its job, then all these needs, locally and globally, with personnel and finances, will be met. It will be met. And and, and then it dawned on me that... We aren't doing these projects just for themselves. We're not doing it to serve coffee because we like coffee or to to have a playground because we like to see kids play. That's all good, but we're doing it because we want to reach people, we want to teach people, we want to send people. And the reason why we would invest is in order to multiply many times over people for the marketplace who will be salt and light for Christ, but also be able to give and support and fund all of these ministries as well as the people to be to do it and so I was reminded by the spirit that yes it's worth it it's worth it because we're not trying to take away from all these ways of meeting needs we we are trying to put the accelerator down the pedal to the metal on our mission through it that's the goal of it and as we all participate in that then then we are gaining for ourselves friends in heaven and a a welcome if, if, if there is such a thing as kind of an, internal, uh, an eternal investment portfolio, then the local church should be top on that because that's the means God is using uh, in this day and age to accomplish his mission. Well, we have a choice to make. The passage ends with, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We have a choice to make. What, what is going to rule us? The, the, the dishonest steward was Phronimos. He was shrewd, but he was ruled by money. Jesus calls us to be phronomos, shrewd, to plan ahead, to think ahead, to prepare, but to be ruled by God be ruled by God and his purposes in eternity. Well, what what, what should we do? Now what? First of all, assess yourself. We've said that throughout this whole series. This is the last sermon in this series, but we need to consider where am I in the journey of generosity? Am I being, am I shrewd or not? Am I phronomos or not? Am I planning, thinking ahead? I'm I'm so glad that this financial planner sat down with Mary and me and helped us get thinking when we, when we thought it was forever away. But the challenge from the Spirit is, are, are we starting to think about this now? And secondly, uh, you just got to do the battle for the mind. There, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of lies that come into our minds when it comes to money. Unless I can give a lot, it's not worth starting. It's not about the amount, it's about the habit. It's about the habit. Or God won't provide for me if I start being generous. And God, of course, has said, test me on that one. Okay, test me on that one. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Maybe a thought you've had is, I might go overboard on this and become financially irresponsible. I've actually known some people where I've had to say, no, you have to live on something Okay, you have to prepare for the future. They, they would be willing to give everything away. Uh, so if you think that's a, a problem, talk to somebody. Or maybe this is a thought. Generosity may lead to eternal reward, but I will miss out in this life. You know what? I have never met anybody who has lived a life of generosity who says, I regret it. I don't, I don't think so. Um, th- if that's a thought, that it's living, it's living for the dot and not thinking about the line. So finally, do something, do something. Ever since my little granddaughter said to me, Opa, do something, I keep hearing, it's like the voice of the spirit, do something. And uh, what's the next step? What's the next step in your journey of generosity? And think of it as being wise, shrewd, in planning and thinking ahead for eternal riches and reward, which will vastly, infinitely, Um, supersede whatever we can experience in this life and we have an opportunity now to take a step in that direction let's pray father god we thank you again for your boundless measureless love Uh, we we can't you'll spend eternity probing the depths of your love and grace and never find the end it's so expansive and endless and free And we are so thankful to know that and to live in it. And I pray that you would draw us towards you and your heart, even as we think about the fact that we're all managers of your resources, that we would be wise, that we would think and plan ahead for our own benefit. But it turns out that for our own benefit means working for your purposes. So we pray that your spirit, who is present, would work in our hearts even as we sing. Amen.
1: the spirit
0: now to pray and to uh, fill out the commitment card if you haven't already. So I uh, invite you to take that card that should be in your bulletin and there are pencils in front of you. And uh, if you're a guest with us today, just relax. And um, this is for those who uh, consider this their church family. And this is, I want you as a couple or as a family or even if you're here with, uh, just with someone else, to take a moment to pray and to devote yourselves and uh, this commitment to the Lord and his purposes and his goals. I do wanna say a couple things about the commitment card uh, before we do that. Um, first of all, there's a chart there, and simple, some people think I have to choose one of those numbers. No, you can choose any number you want. That's just a guide, uh, kind of what it'll take for us to complete uh, this project. But, but when you look at it, your eye often goes to a number that's quite comfortable. And I'm, I'm not asking you to go up or down. I'm just saying, uh, listen to what God wants you to do in choosing what that will be. And this commitment uh, will be over a 24-month period starting next month, March 2024, all the way to March 2026. So it'll cover parts of, so part of 24, all of 25, part of 26. So it's a part of three calendar years. You might want to think about that. Think about three years. That's what this commitment time covers. And please make sure you write your name legibly and your phone number and email and then your commitment there. And if you're watching online, uh, there's, you can go to our website and there is a way to make a commitment on our website. So I encourage you at home to pray as well, and as a family, and to take part in this. So please take a couple moments uh, right now and pray out loud. I'm like, I I don't, let's hear some voices, all right? Pray out loud with uh, somebody, or you can pray silently on your own, but devote yourselves and and this commitment to the Lord, and uh, just a couple moments, and then after that, we'll have the ushers come. As the ushers begin to pass the baskets, we will continue uh, to worship the Lord.
1: Praise God when face to face we see. the one who died to set us free. Church, let's stand together to celebrate the great things that our God is doing.
0: things. He did a great thing today. I believe it. And he's going to do great things in the future for his glory and for our joy. I'm eager to see what those will be. And I'm eager to minister and do it with you as a part of this church family. Now, there are people who aren't here today uh, and others who maybe are a different part of the country at this time of year. And so we're going to, we recognize that over the next couple of weeks, uh, there'll be more commitments that come in. And so on March 17th, That will be Celebration Sunday, that's when we will uh, celebrate the great thing that God has done uh, through your generosity and your commitment. So thank you very much. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, Amen. You are sent.